Welcome back to episode four of Podcast on Fifth Avenue. I'm Taylor House. We got Jenna Harner. It's just us today. Uh, Jordan, she's on uh, her way back from vacation. I think she's in Florida. I'm Lucky so jealous. Her. I know. <laughs> if she's going to be Tanner, then Jeff Carter. I she bet might, she might just be. But yeah, how are you? I, what, you just said you watched the Britney Spears documentary? I did. Oh my goodness. And of course, this comes on the day that like they terminated his conservatorship. Yeah. So I'm over here like geeking out about this. The New York Times, shout out to them. Like just the the way that they did this documentary, it's so current too. I was uh, I was really really engrossed in that. So I know this is all that our listeners care about so much. <laughs> if you're looking for something really intriguing, could not recommend more. Yeah, the official position of our podcast is free Britney. I'm pretty sure. Yeah. <laughs> free Britney, hundred yeah. percent. Another uh, non Britney Spears news Monday. What the Penguins played their first preseason game uh, got shut out by the Blue Jackets three nothing, or maybe more appropriate, the Cleveland Monsters shut out most Spears three nothing because it really was mostly an AHL lineup. There were some NHL guys in on both sides, but it really was. Um, you know, a lot of the minor leaguers or prospects depth guys mixed in. But Jenna, what were your takeaways? Well, I'm not going to lie. I wasn't feeling the best earlier this week, so I did only catch the first period. But Casper Kapanen was just so noticeable out there. You can just tell his speed, his level of talent. I mean, there were just so many rushes. I think, like, easily – I mean, the Penguins dominated in that first period that I watched. They had all of the chances pretty early on. And you could just see he was just making plays, doing exactly what we saw him do last year. I had to laugh at the fact that when we heard from him earlier this week, he was like, yeah, you know, I'm back at training camp. I didn't actually miss it this year. (laughs) Um, So, and you can tell he's just thrilled to be there, but his speed was so noticeable. Just the way he was setting guys up for goals, the way that guys are, you know, in position to score a goal, obviously none of the chances went in the way that guys were setting him up. I mean, he, you could tell there was a clear gap in his level of talent compared to a lot of the other guys out there, which is kind of what we expected in that sense too. Um, And then I want you to kind of take this a little bit, but from what I was gathering at least, I mean, in the first period from what I saw, but at least, you know, reading afterwards and what happened in the second and the third, Cam Lee had pretty much every chance on the night. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he he did lead in uh, shot attempts and shot on goal. He had ten attempts, uh, six you know on on net, and I think all of the shots on goal were in the first two two periods alone. But yeah, I mean, just watching his feet and the way he walks the blue line, uh, and just the way he uses his mobility to to open up scoring lanes for for himself. I mean, that's kind of what we saw from him, um, like all game. But then also from watching him in Wilkesbury too. I remember even. Because before P.O. Joseph got sent down to Wilkes-Barre, Cam Lee was quarterbacking the first power play unit. And that ability to, to move along the blue line and open up scoring chances for himself was, I think, something J.D. Forrest mentioned to me straight out of training camp in, in the preseason down in Wilkes-Barre last year. So that's just who he is. Um, but, yeah, he was he was great. Uh, he, had, he, he was on the second power play unit, too. Obviously, no one scored. So, I mean... <laughs> There's, there's not a lot to take away there, but um, yeah, I mean, really all elements of Cam Lee's game we saw in that preseason game, including maybe the, some of the bad stuff too. The whole thing with him um, as an offensive defenseman going pro is just kind of managing the risk reward and learning what he can get away with yeah. um, at this level. Cause I mean, he did kind of have a couple questionable decisions like turnovers in that game. And I, that's, that's not, I, that, that's not, those are that surprising. Um, and I mean, that is something he's aware of, coaching staff is aware of. That was really what they were working on with him, you know, all last season. And um, he did improve over the course of the season. Um, so, not, you know, really too concerned about that. I, uh, Sullivan, afterwards, he said, you know, he plays with a lot of energy. Um, he called him a trier. So, Sullivan was really impressed with his game. Um, I mean, Poulin and Legre, too, they, they were two of the standouts for me. Um, Poulin, I, I would say maybe his skating is not, um, NHL up, up to NHL speed yet. Yeah. Um, but I mean, other elements of his game, uh, the playmaking, the shooting, um, face-offs, he, he was playing at wing, um, but on the, on the power play, he was the one taking the face-offs. Um, he went like six and two, um, so really strong. Um, yeah. but I mean, Legere, uh, his speed, that's the thing that stands out. I mean, cause I think we've talked about it before, but he, he lost 15 pounds over the last year. Um, would love to know what he did. I tried asking, you know, I was like, was it your diet? Like, what'd you do? But, um, but like details here, we need, I need specifics. Um, but yeah, he, how do you did that? Like, exactly. right there. but yeah, he, he's he mostly like he changed his diet, but he lost 15 pounds. And, um, 
you know, I asked him about it after and he said, you know, I do feel lighter out there. And that's the biggest thing that I noticed with him. Um, just his speed. That's so evident. But um, the, the the goaltending. So I did you get to watch a whole lot of, of the goaltending? Because Jari and Lindbergh split. Yeah, and that's exactly where I was going to go with this one. What did you think of Jari? Because I know initially on that first goal it was high glove side and everybody automatically jumps to, oh my yeah. goodness, high gloves. Like it's a, it's a classic. Yeah, I mean, so the the first period, the Blue Jackets only had two shots, so he really wasn't seeing the the puck a whole lot at all. Yeah. Um, and you know that that they the Blue Jackets had their their first goal in that period, uh, Yeager Chinikov. Um, and it was high glove side. It was um, it was through traffic. I don't think he got really a good look at it. Uh, so I mean, he 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 only saw nine shots total and made eight saves. Um, so I, it's really hard <laughs> to judge a whole lot. I know high glove side, all the tweets and all the replies that everyone's like of course but yeah. again he really didn't get a good look at it yeah Gertinokovs he's a he's a you know actually a solid prospect I don't remember if you remember when he got drafted do you remember that <laughs> he was the one one of the ones that like no one knew who he was and they were all like what is it who is this guy what's going on it was the first round right yeah it, well, it was the first round and he was projected to go in like the fourth round or later and, no. like yeah he got he got but they picked him in the first round I guess you know they had and he's a legit prospect he had a good year so Props to the Blue Jacket scouts. But yeah, it was like the Canadian yeah. broadcast after they drafted him. They're like shuffling their papers, freaking out. And they're like, I think he's a right wing. Like, so <laughs> we have on this guy who I remember <laughs> those videos. Actually, now that you say that, I totally remember that. Yeah, I don't know. That's when I when I saw that he was playing. I mean, the guy that's on the, the panel listened to a tizzy. That was my uh <laughs> my first thought. But yeah, I mean, good goal from him. I you really can't fault Jari on it, but yeah, halfway through as planned, they did switch to um, Lindbergh in net. And uh, so he played, you know, the, the second half of the second and the third period. Um, I thought he was good, too. He made 12 saves on, on 13 shots, um, two high-danger chances. He stopped them both. Um, so, I mean, he yeah, he allowed just the one goal. Their third goal was, was an empty netter. Um, Sullivan said, you know, he thought, you know, he was tested. He made a couple of good saves. But um, good showing from him, um, especially – it's not like a real pro game, but first kind of pro experience coming out of college. He said the uh, biggest thing was, um, you know, the the speed of the game yeah. was the biggest difference for him. So, uh, I mean, good good showing from him. Um, I still think he'll start in, in Wilkes-Barre, <laughs> you know, yeah. share the night with Louis Domingue and uh, maybe Alex Dorio. But, um, yeah, good game from him. But uh, do you have any other – you mentioned Kappen, and I, I, I mentioned in my story – Again, I don't think he had an actual shot on goal, but it looked like he was playing no. like NHL 21 on easy mode. Just the way he was moving around everyone out there. Yes. Yeah, it was it was crazy. Uh, I mean, he looked like he was just having fun. <laughs> but uh, that's that was exactly what I saw from him too. You just see him like again. You just you know he was noticeable out there. That and not that other guys weren't, but at least in the you know part in the first period where I really saw a lot of the action, he was just like on that next level. Like all the other guys are here and he's that one tier up, like you said. And also for um, Lindbergh, just to get the experience he did, kind of like you mentioned, you know, him adjusting to the speed of, you know, an AHL slash NHL style game, a pro game in that way. I mean, that's all you can ask for, for a guy like that, you know, come in, you want to see him make some of those high danger saves, you know, in those high danger chances, just to be like, all right, this is what it's going to be like. We want you to get comfortable. We want you to get adjusted to it. And then you can build upon that, you know, not obviously letting up however many, you know, he could have let up four or five goals. He, you know, really seemed like he was pretty locked in again, you know, going back and watching the film a little bit later and reading more about him and just his performance on the night. But I mean, it seemed like he had a pretty solid first experience for all you could want from him in that style of game. Again, this is the preseason. If everybody's seen the gritty Instagram thing the other day where it's like, this is the preseason where literally nothing matters. I'm like, <laughs> yeah. gritty, you get it. Yeah. I mean, the, the Penguins have, you know, some solid goaltending prospects right now because I mean, their prospect pool, the you know, past couple of years, goaltending was really maybe the one biggest weakness just because they, they really didn't have many at all. But um, I mean, between, you know, Klang and Blomquist over in Europe and then um, Lindbergh over here, even Dorio, I think people uh, underrate Dorio or write him off um, maybe because he did spend time in wheeling. That's really, I, I don't think that's a big deal at all, especially no. for a goalie. A lot of goalies ha have spent time in the ECHL. Wheeling especially has sent, you know, more than a few to, to the NHL. I mean, Casey yeah. DeSmith comes to mind. Um, Case The first couple months of Casey Smith's pro career, he was Wheeling's third goalie. 
Um, He didn't even play his first game until like December, his rookie year. And then, I mean, look where he is now. He's in the NHL. So I, I wouldn't write, you know, like Dory off just because he's been in the, in wheeling. I think he's taken major strides. So um, he has a Wilkes-Barre. He, he, he's not going to get a preseason game up here, but um, they really have some solid goaltending prospects. Um, uh, on the other side, not young guys, uh, Brian Boyle, what do you think of him uh, in, in his first preseason game? Yeah, I mean, you were kind of mentioning this when we were talking earlier, but from seemingly a little bit of parts that I saw, he did look a little bit slow, and that's not to knock him, obviously. You know, he is that veteran presence. That's what Sullivan's talked about the last couple of days that we've got to hear from him and his thoughts on Boyle. But, I mean, he does kind of bring that veteran presence. We know what he's going to bring to the game. You know, he is going to be a little bit more of like a bigger body that they're going to look to. Potentially, maybe, hey, is he going to be – I don't want to say an enforcer because it's not entirely what we know the Penguins to be and to have those types of guys, but is he going to kind of be a guy that can stick up for his guys if someone says, hey, you know, I'm not sure I'm liking what you're doing for him to kind of say, is he going to be able to do that? So he, but like you did mention, he did just, you know, maybe just he's going to continue to get back up to speed type thing. Yeah, I mean, what, he's he's older, he's a big guy, he hasn't played pro hockey in the last year, so I mean, he did look slow, but that's not a surprise. Um he had one huge hit, you know, late in the first period. And I think a lot, that's all a lot of people are focusing on. Um, but still, I mean, it just, the, his lack of speed was the biggest thing that stood out for me. I still think he'll make the team just because oh, of yeah. the lack of better options at center. Um, I mean, you can sign him for, again, he didn't play last year. You can sign him for a cheap league minimum. Um, and then when Malkin comes back, when Crosby comes back, if they don't need him, if you still need to get cap compliant, wave him. If he, if he gets claimed, oops, oh well. If he makes it down to Wilkesbury, okay, then he can be, go down there and kind of be the veteran presence down there. Um, so I don't know. I still think we'll make the team low risk. Um, two guys yeah. who I thought had pretty quiet, good games. Um, the one, so I'm pretty sure I mentioned on here before that the 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 forward in the system who maybe has the is the closest style wise to Brandon Tanev um, in terms of like chippiness and really all kinds of things elements of Tanev's game is Jordy Bellarive. Um, the physicality, and we saw that in the preseason game. He had a couple of big hits. He's he's very stocky, very sturdy on his feet. There are a couple of times when he, you know, a hitter just collide with a blue jacket and they bounce off of him like he's a wall. Um, and that's really kind of what we saw all year from him in Wilkes-Barre. Um, and I mean, Tanev, what, he led the Penguins in, in drawn penalties and, and Bellarive had two that game. Um, they had five power plays and he, two of them are from penalties he drew. So, um, good for him. I would like to see him get an NHL shot. He's been in the organization a couple of years. He had a rough go with the, he was in the bonfire accident, really hurt his hands. He had to readjust some parts of his game. Um, but I thought, you know, he's taken major strides. And then the one that people aren't going to like Dominic Simone, um, He's like a lightning rod for criticism, but I feel like if you watch that game and you didn't see how good he is, that people hate when you talk about puck possession. I think I feel like people don't really get what it means, but no. I mean he's he's good at holding on to and holding on to the puck, and when he has it, the other team doesn't, so they're not scoring. Yeah. But he's also very good at setting up his teammates. And something Sullivan yes. said, I you know I asked him about like where does Dominic Simone fit in? He said he can really play with anyone, and he said we have a lot of guys who like playing with him and people, you know, were like, well, he doesn't finish. Well, but that's not his role. If that's exactly. Yeah. I don't like, he's not going to, I, I'd be surprised if he's on the top line again. He, you know, he's probably gonna be the bottom six if he's in the lineup at all. But you know, when he was on the top line, he doesn't have to be the finisher when he's playing with Crosby and Gensel. And what the, the season he spent the most time up there was 2018, 19. And even then he only spent, it was just under a third of his ice time on that line. Um, but I think he finished fifth that year in even strength assists. And the top line as a whole scored a significantly higher rate when he was on it. And it's because people are like, well, but how is that possible? Because he's not scoring. It's because he's very good at getting the puck to, you know, the guys on his line, which is why Sullivan said guys like playing with him. So yeah. I thought we saw that, you know, on this, that was on display. I think, We'll see him play some NHL games this year. Um, I, again, I don't think he'll be on the top line, but um, I think he definitely has a place in this lineup. Yeah. But, um, yeah, I guess, uh, you know, 
we'll take a break. We'll come back. We'll talk about um, maybe we'll have a better idea what the actual lines will look like based off of Wednesday's practice. So we'll talk about maybe the actual lineup uh, in the next segment. Stay with us. All right, welcome back to segment two of podcast on Fifth Avenue. Um, some news Wednesday. Uh, Wednesday's practice was the first one uh, in which they divided, you know, the teams up into two two groups uh, in practice. And looking at the divisions, it was really kind of the NHL group and then the prospects and the AHL guys. Yeah. So the first practice with you know the NHL guys, we kind of had a better idea of uh, what the lines and pairings might look like because up until this point, they have been practicing in, in separate groups. Um, so that we can just go like line by line, pairing by pairing, and just kind of give our thoughts on on this lineup. It might not be what they end up playing game one, but this is at least what they're trying out first. Um, first line, I don't think this is a big surprise. Um, Jeff Carter, first line center, and his wingers are Gensel and Russ. Jenna, what were your thoughts on that? I mean, that's kind of what we expected. It was yeah. going to be a little interesting. We, I, I was going to be intrigued to see if they were going to keep kind of the guys potentially they thought might be on Carter's line when Sid does return to the lineup. But, I mean, again, this is the top line. You know what you're going to expect from these guys. Carter kind of saying, you know, I'm not going to replace Sid. I'm not going to replace Gino, but I'm going to be in that role for the time being. I'm going to help these guys contribute and do what this team does best. And honestly, I mean, I'm intrigued to kind of see how this pans out. I mean, you know, I mean, we, we saw what Carter could do in such a small sample size last year that give him these types of guys and see what plays they can make. I'm, you know, obviously we're getting back to that full 82 game schedule, which we haven't had in two full seasons now. So it's going to be intriguing to kind of see how, all of these guys work with each other, at least for the time being, when we have Carter there. But this could be a very deadly line, as we know. These are all guys with really, really good scoring capabilities, with speed, with a lot of skill. And it's going to be exciting to kind of see how they come together. But this, to me, seemed like kind of the you know top line that we expected it to be. Yeah, and I think that's especially true given that, you know, Crosby isn't actually expected to be out very long, probably only just a couple. This original timeline they gave us would have only had a missing first four games. So with that in mind, maybe you don't want to screw up the line combinations too much. Just put Carter there, put Crosby back in his spot, you know, when he comes back and then, you know, maybe shift Carter down. Um, Again, we don't know if this is what they're actually going to go with, but it it just makes sense, especially knowing that Crosby's probably not going to be out that long. Um, yeah. Second line, um, Zucker and Kapanen are the wingers. They did work together um, all um, all for the practices up until this point. In the practices, their center is Redeem Zahorna. Now, Redeem Zahorna, he, he did miss practice on Wednesday with an illness, not COVID. Sullivan said not COVID. He's just sick. Um, yeah. So, But on those sheets, he was listed on the group two with all the AHL Wilkesbury guys. So he might not be in the second line center position. The, the center they had skating with them on, on Wednesday was Evan Rodriguez. And I know you're pretty high on Evan Rodriguez. Uh, you're familiar with him from Buffalo, but just what are your thoughts on that line and how Rodriguez fits in? I mean, I think we talked about this in one of our previous episodes, but Rodriguez is kind of that role play guy where you can kind of fit him in wherever you need to. And he will provide you a very decent, you know, it's not going to be anything crazy. It's not an Evgeny Malkin like performance. I wouldn't even put him to the level of Jeff Carter, but he is going to get you kind of what you need that above average performance where he can go out there, he can finish, he can capitalize, he can set his guys up. Is it going to be pretty all the time? No. Is it going to be perfect all the time? No, but I kind of think that give him giving him two good wingers in Zucker and Kapanen, again, hearing from Zucker earlier this week saying he needs to play better, you expect him to really step up his game coming into this year. And obviously what we saw from Kapanen in the first game of the season, I think this could kind of bode very well for Evan Rodriguez too, to say, all right, I have these two guys. I'm going to do my best to make plays with them so that when Sid does return, eventually, hopefully when Evgeny Malkin returns, he can still kind of be a contributor in this lineup and not get knocked down all the way to where he's a healthy scratch clawing for his way to get back into the nightly lineup here. 
Yeah, the nicest guy too. We talked about it on, on oh, an earlier episode about how he'd end all of his virtual press conferences with like, have a nice day or drive home safe. Um, and <laughs> he did speak in person the first time the other day. And while we're waiting for him, like uh, like me and the other reporters are like, is he going to say something nice to end his, his, his scrum? And he did. He was like, everyone have a nice rest of your day. And we're like, okay. Evan well, Rodriguez. You too, then you too. <laughs> yeah. But, um, yeah, I mean, again, fine with this combination. Um, Zucker, he, he really hasn't been that impressive since he's been here. Um, he knows that. He he called last season awful um, for him when we talked over the other day. Um, he said he'd be surprised if just his number of shots on goal was about was even half the rate of what it was before. So uh, he just needs to shoot the puck more. And I, I mean, there are yeah, a couple times that really stand out where – you know, maybe he had a two-on-one with one guy and, you know, he had a prime scoring opportunity and he passes it and then the other guy doesn't get a shot off. And so, I mean, he knows what went wrong for him last year. He just needs to shoot the puck more. So um, expecting better things for him yeah. uh, this year. Um, the third line uh, they used in practice, again, one that might change based on the current um, uh, COVID situation, illness situation. Um so all during camp, we saw um, Bluger and Aston Reese with McGinn. Um, Aston Reese now is out uh, with COVID. He did test positive for COVID. It's not a false positive. He actually has COVID and is in quarantine. Um, with the NHL's protocols, he might not miss the first game of the season. Um, they just have to isolate from uh, 10 days from the onset of symptoms. Mm -hmm. um, and then you, know, you have to test negative a certain amount of time. So season doesn't open until October 12th, he still could come back and uh, be on that line because that line did look good um, in, the, in the scrimmages. Um, but in, in practice, what they did, they had Bluger and he was with McGinn and Danton Heinen. Um, mm -hmm. What are your thoughts on this combination? I, I, I think I would still expect Aston Reese to be, be with them, but what yeah. are your thoughts? And I think that when Aston Reese does come back in, as somebody who went through the COVID protocols myself, I can say that uh, I know exactly what Zach Aston Reese is going through. So that 10 days is uh, not a fun time. So Zach, <laughs> I wish you the best of luck there. Um, hope you're doing well, obviously. Yeah. Um, but I think when he comes back, that that is the expected line. We're going to see kind of McGinn filling that role that almost Tanev played in that sense. He's, I think they envision him to be that style of player. That was something when they acquired him in the offseason. But I also think Heinen coming into, I think we talked about this a little while ago, but he's so interesting to me. And I feel like I keep saying this, but if he can get back to the level he was with the Bruins in 2019 when they made that cup run, I think there's so much potential for him. I think he's such a key player. Obviously, the last two seasons, he's kind of fallen off a little bit since they had such a successful run and obviously him bouncing around places. But he kind of, I think that line is going to be when Zach and Aston Reese comes in again, I think we're going to really be dealing with that. But for now, again, this could very likely happen during the season where a guy can test positive, can be that breakthrough case, and you're going to have to adjust on the fly. Again, injuries also happen, so both of those taking that into consideration. But I think that, you know, this is going to be a line with some skill, with some speed. And this might be your little bit more of, I don't want to say intensity type of line, but a line that can bring a little bit more aggression, a line that can bring a little more physicality. You can see that with um, the player that McGinn is. And we heard him when he was first um, in his introductory press conference with the Penguins, but he says he feels like he's playing his best hockey right now, and so he feels like he can only improve. And I think we're going to see a decent amount of goals from him, too. I think he can surprise a lot of people. Yeah, I mean, Blue and Aston Reese both really took strides offensively last year. Um, yeah. It'd just be interesting to see what kind of offense uh, they might get from McGinn if, if he's with them. Um, McGinn, he did put up good numbers last year, but if you look at kind of the breakdown of his season, um, all but so I, I can't remember his point totals off the top of my head, but all but one goal and one assist came in the first chunk of the season when he was playing on the top line with like Ajo and, you know, the Hurricanes, actually big name guys. Um, yeah. And then he got shifted down to the, the third line. And um, in the last like two months of the season, he only had like one goal. He only had one goal and one assist yeah. um, play when he wasn't playing with, you know, the top guys. So it'll be interesting to see what kind of offense we get from him. If he is in like a third line bottom six role like this, where he, I, he's not playing, you know, with the Penguins top six guys. Yeah. Um, is he going to be able to create chances? Is he going to yeah. be able to make himself a visible presence on the ice? Yeah. 
Um, and then, so the, the fourth line they used in practice, it wasn't really, um, you know, one fourth line. They were rotating guys in and out. Um, one guy who remained consistent on the right wing was Dominic Simone. We just talked about Dominic Simone in the last segment. Um, him staying on that right wing makes, you know, me think that he's someone that could, could start in the lineup with, with the guys they have. Um, the guys who rotated in the two other spots were Anthony Angelo, Drew O'Connor, and Brian Boyle. Um, yep. Yeah, I'm not sure really what what you can expect from this, from this line. Brian Boyle, we just talked about, probably makes the team, but again, he's pretty slow. Um, Drew O'Connor, I thought he was he was great in Wilkesbury last year when he got set down. Um, he was a point just under a point per game, one point shy of a point per game down there last year. Um, took major strides uh, in his play along the boards, which is something he said the coaching staff wanted to see from him. That was their biggest message when he got sent down. Um, when he's someone that can play, you know, center wing, he played both wings and center in Wilkes-Barre. He looked good. Um, I asked him, he said he doesn't have a preference between center and wing. Um, and uh, he played power play penalty kill down there. So I, I, I think he's someone that I'd like to see more NHL time. Wow. Um, he also cut out dairy and gluten and just put on like a lot of muscle apparently. Um I talked to a guy who who trained with him over the over the summer. He trained with like Chris Kreider and a couple of other NHL guys. Oh, wow. um, yeah, I mean Chris Kreider, that's a that's a good one to have. But <laughs> the other training partner by any means. Yeah, the other player who who trained with O'Connor told me that he's never seen anyone so shredded. And I was like, well, that sounds great for him. <laughs> I guess um, um, you know, expecting big things from O'Connor. Yeah. Um, Anthony Angelo, he's someone he, he did see NHL time last season. We really haven't seen a, a you know a ton of him. He, he's he's big. They need a, if they want to add size. I mean, he he has that. I think people don't realize how good his skating is for a big guy. Yes. Um, there are some goals he had down there in Wilkesbury, you know, off the rush. Um, you know, I I would gif during the season, and it's pretty evident. Um, and yeah, he is that kind of you know physical kind of two-way guy but he he's he can score and he can he can uh skate um and both him and o'connor can play center wing um boyle probably the center on that line but angelo and o'connor could be uh the wing do you have any other thoughts on that line well i was gonna say with angelo so i covered him when he was a freshman Mm. at Cornell, and that's exactly what you saw out of him i mean he was just such a dominant presence again you can kind of I mean, college hockey, there's talent across the board, but you can tell the AHL, NHLers, the true, true guys from the just, you know, scholarship guys that are, you know, playing that have talent for sure. But you could just see that level of talent he had compared to a lot of other guys. And that was a year that the Penguins, or the the Penguins, the uh, Big Red, they were kind of loaded with AHL, NHL prospects. Um, You know, they had Reese Wilcox, who's now with the Sharks, and they had, I'm going through, they have um, Christian Hilbrick, who was with- Wheeling. Yep, I'm reeling, yeah. Um, I covered him. He's a huge dude. Oh my gosh. Guy. He has so much size between him and Angela. I'm like, oh my God. Like interviewing yeah. them on skates, you forget how tall they are. And you're like, oh, yeah. hi, hello. <laughs> Sticking the microphone all the way up. But that was it's just the way that he could exit the zone. Like that was always something that was so noticeable to me. His stick handling, you know, um, he, how he could handle the stick, you know, how he can handle the puck, how he brought the puck out of the zone. That was just something that you would, you could always see from him and just the way that he could generate chances. So I think that like him and O'Connor are going to be those fringe type of guys that we kind of see leapfrog both ways this year a little bit. Um, I am going to be intrigued to kind of see again, when they get guys healthy, who is going to stick around here? Because again, this could be one of those things where you see, does Evan Rodriguez slide down? Do they move Anthony Angelo up? Is Drew O'Connor getting some time in? How does Boyle fit in there? Um, there's a lot of questions for sure. Yeah. Back to uh, Christian Hilbrick. I, so I collect Naylor's game-worn jerseys whenever they wear like a cool specialty jersey. And, you know, they wear a couple every year. Yeah. I'll, I'll maybe buy one if it's if it's pretty cool. They're, they're relatively cheap. I mean, it's the ECHL. And when Hilbrick was down there, um, they had a Pirates night and they wore like Pirates-looking jerseys. And um, I bought his. And like I'm five foot three, and he's like, what, like 6'8"? It's like a dress. Yeah. I, mean, like, I, could, I could live in it. But, uh, yeah. Christian he's a Hilbrick. massive human. Nice yeah. guy though, such a nice guy. I think he's playing like Germany now. He, he's still playing. He's ever in Europe. Uh, he was in Wheeling maybe like two years, but um, yeah. Christian Hilberg. One notable absence, I think, from this fourth line. Maybe not that notable from this fourth line. Uh, Sam Lafferty. He's someone that maybe could have been in that mix. Um, 
seems like maybe his time has passed. Uh, he had his opportunity. I, I mean, when he had, when he was in the NHL, we had, we saw maybe flashes of what he could do offensively. He really didn't, uh, I guess, pan out the way we people had hoped he would. Yeah. Um, when when he did play, you know, in the NHL, he he was taking a lot of you know, kind of not the smartest penalties, um, yeah, stick infractions, and he did do. Yeah, and he did that twice in the preseason game, which, uh, you know, then the day, uh, the next practice, he's not in the NHL group, so I don't know if maybe that had anything to do with it, but um, he did speak before that game about how, um, you know, with Tanev's gone, there's a void on the penalty kill, and he thinks it'll be key for him stepping up, um, you know, and helping the penalty kill, and uh, I mean, he did that by just giving them a lot of practice in the preseason game, because... You put him. You put him on the PK twice. Um, you put the penalty kill if you're sitting in the box. Yeah, veteran move from him giving the PK that extra practice. But um, yeah, he's someone that might. I mean, he could stick around as an extra forward. Might end up down. He could clear in Wilkes-Barre. Maybe he would clear and end up in Wilkes-Barre. Might be good for him to um, just get regular playing time again and see if he can. Because he's still he's a younger guy. Um, you know, I, I wouldn't write him off. But uh, for right now, it looks like he's not going to be, be in the NHL lineup. Um, the defense pairings, we could probably move through pretty quickly. Dumoulin, Latang, probably not really a whole lot to talk about there. That's their first mm -hmm. defense pairing. It didn't change. Um, yeah. yeah. Uh, Mike Matheson and John Marino, that was the pairing Matheson was with CeCe. Um, last year, Marino was more so with Pedersen. Um, looks like Matheson's going to be with Marino. Um, I think something we saw from Matheson last year is that he kind of needs someone to, to keep him in check. Um, yes. because he is, you know, the Mike Matheson experience is, you know, he might make some great like offensive play, but then some boneheaded turn the puck over the next. And so I think maybe John Marino could be that, that guy for him to yeah. keep that pairing responsible. That, that steadying of the ship. It was really funny. You mentioned that because I, I don't remember which analytics service it was, but they just, um, put out one of those charts the other day about, um, NHL defenseman last year and like how they exited the zone, like risk reward type thing. And John Marino was in the quadrant of like smart puck possession. And Mike Madison was in like the high turnover prone chance. So in theory, you would think that like the two of them would kind of equal it out. Whereas yeah. you know, I, I think that it's so funny to say that Marino is going to be that like steadying of the ship presence for Matheson mm -hmm. um, being as young as he is and needing to take some strides that he needs to take. But um, I think that could kind of bode well. I do. I, I am intrigued by that one, but I almost like it because again, I think the two, if you want to say opposites attract in that sense, the two are so opposite in those things that I think their styles could play well when they mesh together. Yeah. And then uh, the third pairing, uh, so Pedersen, the last guy on the left side. And then, um, you know, one of the questions during the training camp is who's going to replace CC and the, and the third pairing on the, on the right side. Um, the two right-handed options they have, um, who, who would seem to be in contention for the job, are Mark Friedman, Chad Ruidel. Um, Chad Ruidel was the guy who practiced on that on that pairing in practice. Um, again, I don't. Chad Ruidel is Chad Ruidel. He's someone who can sit out for long periods of time, come in, and not be awful. He can, you know, be responsible. And um, I don't know. He had a couple of moments last year, highlights. I remember he went like one-on-one -on -one with Ovechkin one point, and and. You know, took the puck off of a Vetchkin stick, and I jiffed yeah. that, and I was like, "Look at Chad Ruido getting it done." But um, yeah, again, if it's between him and Mark Freeman, I don't think it's um, that's not going to make or break the team. No, uh, Mark Freeman, uh, I think he's someone we'll still see get into into games um, if yeah. he's not, you know, the first guy on that pairing. Um, I don't know, especially, especially if it's against the Flyers. Um, the game's against the Flyers. Out there because, you know, it'll just, like, engage everybody. There will be flames coming up all the time. Yeah, it's like if you watch those games where Mark Friedman against the Flyers, because, I mean, that's where, you know, they claim them off waivers from. There was, like, real beef between him and some of those guys. Like, that was not fun, like, giving it to their former teammate. It's like they were – I, I don't know what happened. Um, I, I need to know what happened in that locker room. Like we need to find, I need to find that out from somebody. What happened that made yeah. them all so mad at Mark Friedman? Yeah. He doesn't seem like an unlikable, that unlikable of a guy. Um, at least from what we've seen from him here, it looks like he gets along with the guys here. So love to know what happened there. Um, and then, so <laughs> the, the guy, uh, the guy Friedman skated with his use Ricola. I don't, again, I don't know if we're going to, I don't know why Rico would resign here. Um, 
given the way that he's been used. Um, I mean, he stepped in at four at a time when they needed him. Um, it seems like the least, you know, he's done is step in on the left side of a defense pairing. Like, even when he was stepping in on defense, he was playing on the right side, which is not his natural side. It's like what he's done the least since being here is playing on the left, his, his natural position. Um, again, Sullivan talked about that too. He's like, it's unfortunate, you know, when there was an opening last year, he was dealing with an injury. Um, again, I don't know. I'd like to see him just to see what he can do with more regular playing time. But again, if um, a regular spot opens up on the left side, I feel like we're still more likely to see Pio than Yuso Ricola. So, yeah, Yuso might be that guy that sits around, um, and if you know they need someone to step in one game, uh, or so, you know, maybe if they don't want to call, if there's not time to call up Pio, Yuso Ricola can step in. Yeah, um, yeah. I don't, <laughs> I don't know what else you could expect to see from him because uh, I doubt it's going to be as a as a regular uh, on the left side, but. Uh, yeah, that's that's it for that. Uh, the, the lines and the pairings from practice. Uh, we're gonna take a break. Come back for the third, third segment. Where we're gonna talk about um, just some fun things that happened off the ice over the last week, this first week of training camp. So uh, stay tuned. All right, welcome back to the podcast on Fifth Avenue. Uh, we're doing, like, I think, like, our third segment maybe like, a light topic, if we can. Um, and this one is, like, fun things that happened in, like, off the ice or in these, you know, press conferences. Um, the first week of training camp, and I don't know, I, <laughs> I feel like because it's the Penguins, we've been getting injury updates already. Um, guys have been getting hurt. But uh, one I think we did not expect is Mike Sullivan. Um he comes in, I think it was like the second day of camp, maybe. He's this big mark across his nose. Um, and I don't know. I think, you know, we expected that it happened in like, you know, practice, you know, like he got caught up high or something. And someone asked him, like, oh, what happened to you? Was that from out there? And he's, he said, no. He's like, I was I was falling asleep on the couch. And he's like, my dog jumped in my lap. And he's like, I think I have a paw on my face. So uh, it was it was a dog. He did say, um, the, the nose is a long way from the heart so um it's, it's not holding him back at all but um i just thought that was funny i mean we've talked about it before how sullivan can get in this mode where he seems like a, a nice dad yeah um, and uh it's something about the way he answers questions and i think we get that a lot in training camp um i'm just falling asleep on the couch and getting the dog jumping like, in his face it's Pete dad perfect dad move and like it is he does like Sullivan sometimes he'll like he'll have his glasses on during an interview and I'm just like you are the epitome of like an American dad right now like yeah. the Boston you know the New England dad like yeah. in a you know hockey zip up on a Sunday morning going for a walk so like this just it's too perfect it really is yeah I thought that was funny <laughs> he was like no it was my dog um but uh uh, but no, another little little injury uh, scare was in the um, the last scrimmage they had uh, before they broke into these groups. You know, Sam Poulian left for a little bit during the first period. Uh, we didn't see what happened to him, but then he came back. So no one asked for a follow-up. But then, you know, after the first preseason game, he did do a, a press conference and he's at the podium. And when he's talking, like he's missing a tooth. Um, he has a busted up lip and like we're all kind of – I'm looking at him and I was like, has he always been missing this tooth? Because – it, it sounds stupid, but it's hard to tell because so many of them wear the flippers. Yeah. Um, Which like, is like things when you start covering hockey, you get, <laughs> you get, have to like adjust yourself to, cause they'll just like take it out. And you're like, what? You're, that's your tooth. It's yeah. like, like, you're just pulling your tooth out. Yeah. So many, like, like when Jeff Carter spoke the other day, like he had all of his teeth and then, you know, Jeff Carter. <laughs> so like, I'm like, has pull in barring a flipper all this time? Or did he just lose his tooth? I'm like, I'm texting like another writer. I'm like, has has Pullian always been missing a tooth? And he's like, I don't know. Um, but then when it was over, he's walking out and someone's like, hey, Sam. He's like, did you lose that tooth today? And he's like, oh, no, I lost it yesterday. So, yeah, Pullian down a tooth. He looks a lot more like a hockey player. Yeah. Because uh, it's like one of his front teeth. Um, I don't know. I feel like he – I two years ago, I went around the locker room and I asked everyone for stories of, like, how they lost their teeth. Um, and you get, some, you get some weird ones. Like, Teddy – Teddy, Teddy Blurger got way too graphic with it. He, I forget what what initially happened, but then he's like, he's like, so then over the next few days, it just started sliding out of my face, and then like, I'm like, 
I'm looking at him like, yuck. <laughs> but like, um, yeah, I I just love those kind of stories. But yeah, Poulan uh, lost his in a training camp scrimmage. So uh, not the best story, I guess, but he's down a tooth. Looks more like a hockey player. Um, another fun thing, like we noticed during these scrums, um, someone else noticed it, like uh, Dominic Simone, you know, the, their equipment, when they have their names on them, and he's doing it, and it, it, it says Cahoon on his gloves. Like, like when he's walking, you know, someone asks, like, are those your gloves? Because, um, you know, Dominic Cahoon, he's been gone, <laughs> like, I, two, two years ago. To put it in perspective, I covered Dominic Cahoon in Buffalo. Yeah. That's a yeah. Lot of since he has not been in Pittsburgh. Yeah. So then, yeah, Dom, he said, uh, he's like, no, he's like, I use, you know, the, the specific warrior gloves he uses just haven't been um, in in town yet. Uh, he had, they haven't arrived. So he's like, so I'm just using the last set. Like, they're not used Dominic Cahoon gloves, but Dominic Cahoon's old set that he had ordered that he just never got around to wearing. Um, which is funny because when Dom Cahoon, when they were both here, Sullivan would refer to them as like the Doms, like they're just interchangeable. Um, so, Sullivan and Dom too, who's to say who's Yeah, because they did have like a brief stint on each other on, on the same line and Sullivan would just call them the Doms. Um, so I don't know, using their gloves are interchangeable, just, you know, further is that whole, that they were the same person, I guess. But um, something we talked about was uh, with Tang, you know, he cut his hair. Uh, he cut his hair coming into this. And when he spoke on day one, the first question he got was like, why did you cut your hair? Um, he said he needed to change it up. And uh, he said he was not really good at keeping up with it. And he was just always putting it in a bun on top of his head. Um, so he wanted to simplify things. <laughs> so, May the man bun rest in peace. Yeah. In the most peace. Low maintenance uh, Chris Letang uh, <laughs> season, uh, cut his hair. Uh, another hair change we talked about uh Sam Lafferty, he shaved his head completely. Um, he was asked about that too. He talked like before the morning skate and he got a question about that. Um, I think he was asked if it was like symbolic of anything. He's like, oh no. Um, he said he was just training in Arizona for the summer and it was hot. So he decided to shave his head and, and, and he liked it. So he stuck with it. Um, and when you texted Jordan and I and said that Sam Lafferty shaved his head, I was like, "I what what level of shave are we talking about? Like, is he full bald? Is it like that? Like, I know guys have like one, two, three. Is it like a one setting on the buzzer? Like, what what are we talking here on the Clippers? So, yeah, like he it's went so bald. Yeah, he went in there and asked for the Chad Ruedel. Uh, that's funny. He went straight to the, like the hairstylist they all have, and it's like this. This is what I need. Pulls up Give a me picture. the Chad. Yeah. <laughs> style. Yeah. Um. You mentioned Kapanen. Kapanen's funny. He had a couple of funny comments. The one because if yeah, last last year training camp, he he, he missed training camp. Yeah. Uh, and he opened up you know his his press conference by saying like I actually didn't miss training camp this time. Feels good to actually be here. Um. <laughs> And because that, that was not – people – I remember he got so much crap for that last year. That was not his fault. Like, I remember looking into, like, the immigration process and, like, how much warning they tell you to give. And it's, like, when the NHL came out with the schedule, it was already not enough time. So that's why yeah. him and a bunch of other guys were delayed. So not his fault. But, <laughs> again, he was, like, nice to actually be here. He almost got emotional in his um, – I mean, he did get emotional. It sounded like he was going to cry. Um Mike uh, DeFabo asked him, you know, just what, what's it like being here without, you know, Brandon Tanev? Because, I mean, I don't know, anyone that follows, you know, Kapanen or Tanev on social, they spent, like, the whole summer together. They it were very summer close. Summer romance. Summer, sorry, summer bromance. But it was. Yeah. yeah, I mean, they were, they were, they were all over. They were traveling. But, um, yeah, Kapanen, he actually did get, like, his voice cracked. He got choked up. And he said, you know, it's really tough. They, they talk on almost a daily basis. And he. He really misses him, and as he was walking away, he's like, "You almost made me tear up there." Um, so yeah, that's that's tough. Um, I feel like maybe they should be able to reverse the expansion draft if it made because it almost made Kapanen cry. So you don't Just like to see that. I did enjoy your tweet at the Seattle Kraken. Look what you did. Yeah, look what you did. You almost made Kapanen cry in his press yeah. conference. How dare they? How dare they? Redeem so redeem Zohorna. So I don't know if many people remember when he talked before, but his English was very really not great um when he did he only did a couple of zoom press conferences last year um i i, I thought i thought he was i mean he was okay like you talk but you kind of had to give him simple questions he's a lot better this year um and i think he someone asked him like did you what did you do to work on your english and he said nothing really because i mean he's not speaking english back in the czech republic um no 
Yeah, but and he said too, um, the last season it did help being because like now he has Dominic Simone. He said he was like, that's great. You know, they have, have another Czech guy. But he did say that it was maybe a good thing for him not having another Czech guy last season because it did force him to speak English. Um, yeah, and I mean, that's something. Yeah, and because now I'm thinking like, you know, they have so many of the Finns and like, you know, like Valtteri Pustin at least doesn't really speak English that well. It's like he has so many Finns. Like, I don't know how much English, he, English he's even going to be speaking. Um, might have to force him to, but um, yeah, Zahorna, he said that helped him. Um, he was also asked if there's anything about, um, now, you know, he's been here for a little bit, if there's anything about the U.S. culture that he likes, you know, better than back in the Czech Republic, and it, he didn't hesitate. He's like, no, not really. Um, he likes to Home is, Czech is home, that's me. Yeah, um, I don't know. I, I was expecting, you know, sometimes the European guys will give you something like food related, like oh, maybe like the pizza or like the like the fast food that they, they get here is much different from back home. But nope, he's like, uh-uh, uh, nothing. <laughs> um, speaking of food, though, Zach Aston Reese, if people remember last year, you know, he said he lost weight and he put in this effort to um, really changing his diet, and that's what he, you know, said really lead to this led to the strides he took last year, and um. He, he was asked, you know, are you still that strict with it this summer? And he said, Monday through Friday, yes. But then the weekends he does, you know, mix in maybe like a cheat meal or two. And he said uh, his cheat meal, um, sushi uh, and then Jersey Mike's um, is his cheat meal. And he said, he said, he's like, I don't know why Jersey Mike's. He said he loves the club sub. It's very good. He said he doesn't know. He kept saying, like, I don't know why. But the Jersey Mike's uh, club sub, uh, that's his cheat meal. So. I don't know. Sushi is a cheat meal feels like a cop out because yeah. sushi is not a cheat meal. <laughs> yeah. I'm going cheat meal. I'm going like, give me like a really greasy smash burger or sushi. Like sushi is one of those things where I eat and I'm like, okay, I don't feel bad about this. Well, and he's from like what, like Staten Island. I feel like he got pizza, but uh, yeah. Yeah. sushi and Jersey Mike's. Weird combination. Okay, Zar. All right. Yeah. He he also did. Uh, he had a funny thing about Bluger. Um. So Bluger is Latvian, but he said, I guess Bluger speaks Russian. Um. He said that. Uh. He said it's funny. Um. Bluger like picked him up like they carpooled to the rink or whatever, and he gets in and Bluger's listening to a podcast in Russian. Um. And he reads books in Russian. Um. So he said he's a very intelligent guy. But I just think that's so funny that. Because uh, I've heard that maybe. So I've heard someone else say on like social or whatever, because so when Bluger was in Latvia for the Olympic qualifiers, he did a couple of interviews in Latvian. And I, I've heard people say that like his Latvian is not that good. Um, and I think it's because his family, they spoke Russian at home. Oh, wow. Um, so that's interesting for him. Like I'd, I'd love like to know if he like talks of walking in Russian. Um, oh, yeah. Do they like, do they converse? Uh, that's I <laughs> We need to find I, that out. I don't know. Or because I... I've heard a couple of people have told stories before about how like Malkin is not good at remembering rookies' names when they first come in. Um, like a couple of people have gone on like podcasts or whatever and told these stories about how, like, I think like Rick Tockett told one of the stories about how, you know, it's like the rookie party and like they go out and I think like he said one year they brought, you know, people up. Um, I think it was like maybe Connor Sherry, like after they won the the cup and they're like, they asked Malkin, like, what is this guy's name? <laughs> like, he doesn't have an answer. Um, and I think um, someone's, I think Crosby might've said when he was on Chicklets that like Malkin's gotten better at that, but like apparently like it would take him a couple of years to learn people's names. Um, so first I'd like to know if he knows Teddy's name and then yes. I feel like Teddy's been here long enough. Um, but then, you know, maybe if Teddy speaks Russian, that helps. Um, yeah. Maybe that's why he's just trying to get Malkin to remember his name. He's like, I'm going to speak Russian. I spoke at <laughs> home. This is what's going to help here. Just went over Malkin. Um, <laughs> a couple of people had babies over the summer. Yep. Uh, a couple of first-time dads. Matheson, uh, he's a first-time dad. And it, for people that don't know, Ma Mike Matheson's wife is um, Emily Falzer, who uh, played for Team USA. Like, she's an Olympic gold medalist. Uh, she plays awesome. defense. Yeah, like he's not even the best like defense defender in the relationship. It's like, no, no, nope, okay. it's her. She she wears she wins in that fam. 
Yeah, Olympic gold medals only falls there. But yeah, so she's uh, American. He's Canadian. I did ask, uh, you know, first thing, and I was, so they had a son. His name is Hudson. And I asked, and I was like, is he going to play Team USA or Team Canada? Like, do we know yet? And he said, no. He said, <laughs> he said uh, he only has like a US passport right now, but um, that's something that they're working on. Oh. Um, yeah, so. Important information we need to know. <laughs> I know, doing some early scouting, um, especially, you know, as tall as Madison is, you know, Hudson might be a great prospect, but um, yeah, he said, he talked a lot about how um, really changed his whole perspective on just life, hockey in general, because, you know, he wants to be, a, he talked about wanting to be a better version of himself and and all that and how uh, that changes. And I think that's something we've heard a lot um, from guys the first time they have a kid, that, and then I remember Brian Rust, when they first found out that his wife was having a baby, he said, you know, he's going to come into a dad's strength. Yeah, um, didn't he score on his first uh, the first game back from when his son when he yeah had his son? yeah it's like the, the the day after you know he, and it was like Brian it was like for, for it was like back um it was further back than like he's ever scored a goal before it seemed yes. like so that was dad's strength and I I, I remember I think I asked him on like the clean out day like you're gonna come in next season more dad's strength and he's like oh yeah absolutely yeah. um yeah I don't know a couple of um it, it was cool most of, or maybe all of them, I, I didn't take a head count, but of the guys who weren't playing in the preseason game, they were there watching. Um, and honestly, the highlight of uh, that group for me, uh, Zucker was his suit game. I don't know, a lot because a lot of these guys take their suit games seriously. Zucker, he's wearing a teal suit plaid. Um, very fancy, very flashy. And um, I definitely hear a couple of them talking in the hallway. Um, they were very concerned with their fantasy football game because it's Monday. Uh, last I heard was that Teddy Bluger had pulled into the lead. Don't quote me on that because uh, it was pretty like early in the night. I mean, but, uh, necessary things to worry about, obviously. Yeah, in the middle of the preseason game. Uh, yeah, talking about the, the uh, yeah Teddy Bluger. I don't know. I, this it's just great being back in person again because yeah. you get these kind of weird things like you know Dominic Simone wearing the gloves or asking Chris Letang about his hair that you might not take like. a when we're doing Zoom, you're not going to raise your hand and ask like some of these goofy questions, but um, it's easier in person. Um, we're not in the locker room, by the way. I I know that some teams are opening up their locker rooms. It's pretty much just up to the teams what they want to do. Yeah. And a lot of it depends on how much media they have. So Pittsburgh, we have a lot of people covering the Penguins. So I think like that's why they're not just letting us Miller in the locker room. Um, they're doing these kind of uh, scrums. Um, we do have to be vaccinated and masked. So I don't know. Someone I saw on Twitter was like blaming the media for giving Aston Reese COVID. It's like, no, nope. <laughs> um, they keep us far back, a little bit further back, mask, vax, and then they go live their lives. So it was not one of us. But um, yeah. but uh, yeah, I don't know. So I'm looking forward to getting more of these stories now that we're actually able to talk to people face to face, and we can get like one on ones too. We, I've, if you requested, I've done a few of those. So um, looking forward to more of these stories throughout the season. Hopefully, we'll be able to share them on here. Um, but thanks again for listening. Uh, episode four of Podcasts on Fifth Avenue. We do these every Thursday. They drop at two o'clock. Um, if you're listening to us, uh, you can listen to us anywhere podcasts are found. But we also do video uh, versions too. If you look up uh, on our YouTube channel on the DK Pittsburgh Sports YouTube channel. But uh, thanks again for listening, and we hope you'll join us next week.